This is Road to the Cup on ESPN LA. Happy Thanksgiving. I'm Dave Denholm here on the home of world football in Southern California. We jump right into it. Today's action around the World Cup, the final day of opening games in the group stage. And we begin with a group that it really is set up interestingly. Group G, Switzerland and Cameroon had the early game on this day, on this Thanksgiving, and it was an interesting match. Uh, both teams kind of went at it. Very uh, very little between them most of the match, frankly. Switzerland is the kind of team, I, t- I likened them to Denmark when we talked yesterday, in that Switzerland's hard to beat. They're very well drilled defensively. They're disciplined. Uh, they need to find goals. They need to find someone who will provide those goals. And on this day against Cameroon, it was Bria Lambolo, the Cameroonian, well, he was born in Cameroon, who scored in the 48th minute. And that was the difference, 1-0, the final. I don't think either team can really be upset with the result in the sense of Cameroon doesn't didn't really deserve to win. Maybe they could have gotten a draw. I don't, I don't think Switzerland's going to be upset about just getting out of there with the three. They didn't play great. Certainly, you take the three points. Uh, but they've got work to do, and I think it was a perfect first game for Switzerland, working into things. Gerdan Shakiri, the Chicago Fire midfielder, of course, formerly of Liverpool, Lyon, very good game. He was really spectacular, had the assist on the goal for Switzerland, and he made the difference. He is a difference maker, and he made the difference in this match. I like the way Switzerland defend. I like the way Cameroon defended. They could have used a little more sharpness in the final third. Eric Chupamoting's having a good season in the Bundesliga. Didn't quite translate on this day. They had a couple of chances. Jan Sommer equal to the task. Didn't really have to make any major saves in this one in Group G. It was just that kind of game where both teams did not want to blow, get blown out. They didn't want to pull a Costa Rica. Now, that was never going to happen in terms of scoreline. These teams are too even. But Switzerland just so professionally goes about their business, don't they? They're just hard to beat. And they took care of business in this one. It wasn't pretty at times, but I liked the game, even when it was nil-nil in the first half. It was a good back and forth. It really was. This was not a boring game by any means. There's been a couple of nil-nils in this uh, opening uh, round of matches that were, you know, not the best games. This one... Because it had the goal, it opened up, but it really didn't open up a ton after that. And I think that was what Cameroon's problem was. They ended up out shooting Switzerland 8-7 to and like 5-3 to in shots on goal. But again, no real great opportunities for Cameroon, in my estimation, to really get back into the match, get the draw. Would it have been a bad result like, or would it have been unfair to Switzerland if Cameroon had come back and tied it? No. It was an even match relatively, but... Nothing like winning an even match, right? Nothing like getting the full three points when maybe you weren't the best team on the day necessarily. Now, when I say that, I mean clearly the best team. In other words, both teams played a pretty decent game. So neither one of them is going to be too upset. The only problem for Cameroon is it's a tough way to go. You really want the draw because now you got Brazil later in the group. We'll get to that in a moment. But the schedule is a little more favorable for Cameroon in that sense. Second match of the group was the last match of the day. 
here on Thanksgiving. It was Brazil opener against Serbia. Now, there was a little bit of an injury scare with Neymar. Don't know what's going to happen with that in the long run. He went out in like the 80th minute. But by then, Richarlison had already scored in the 62nd and 73rd, and oh, what a goal that was. Unbelievable. Nearly a bicycle kick. Heavy high scissor kick goal off a beautiful assist from Vinicius, who was amazing in this match. And this is exactly the kind of reason, this kind of game is exactly why people think Brazil may well win this whole thing. And myself included. I've got him as one of my favorites, one of my top three. And this is exactly the kind of game why. Because Serbia is good. We know that. Serbia is loaded with talent. I would have started Dusan Vlaovic, but they don't. It's Mitrovic, who's also having a very fine season and has been hot for a couple of seasons already. So I'm not going to blame Serbia for going with him up front. Needless to say, he is their guy. But Serbia just could not break down Brazil. And what I mean by that, to the tune of being outshot eight shots on goal for Brazil to none for Serbia. I mean, this was just an absolute domination, dominating performance. Outshooting Serbia 22 to 5, 59% of the possession. It was all Brazil. And it, look, it, was it shaky early where it was nil-nil? At half? No, not really. It was really Brazil's match. They were not ever really in doubt here. And you know why? Because for so many years, and you guys know this, if you're close, closer to like my age, my generation, I'm in my early 50s, we know Brazil is the team who wasn't always the most steady in the back. They could outscore you and would <laughs> rather consistently, thanks. But they had their moments in the back. Well, Alexandro, Thiago Silva, Marquinhos, Danilo, of course, Allison in net. This is a tough team to break down. Then you got Casemiro and uh, Lucas Paqueta in the midfield. Oh, and if you need a little more defensive midfield help late in the match, get some fresh legs in, bring in Fred. I mean, they're loaded. And then up front, you got to deal with, of course, Neymar, Vinicius Jr., Rafinha, Richarlison. I mean, it's just the list. And then to bring it off the bench, listen to the subs they brought in. I mentioned Fred. They brought in Anthony, Gabby Jesus, Rodrigo, Gabriel Martinelli. Those are the subs they brought in. They still got great players on the bench. I mean, it's just too much. Too much talent. And again, Serbia didn't lose their World Cup today. It's not a great result. You'd like to at least put up a bigger fight. And it's not that they – no team has gone out there, you know, like Serbia, and is not going to give it their all. Of course, they played hard. It was, a, you know, a valiant effort. You just – they just didn't have it. But what they didn't want to do is lose 4-0. So it keeps the group interesting. And the, the reason I said is you might look and say, well, Cameroon now has to play Brazil. So does – you know, Switzerland, at least Switzerland got the full three points in this first game, right? Well, for Cameroon, it would be a lot more trouble, I think, if they didn't play Serbia next. In other words, if they played Brazil next, losing to Switzerland might even hurt more for Cameroon. They're still well alive in this group because they play Serbia. Now, whoever loses that game is done. But if you get a winner out of it, or even a draw depending on the Switzerland-Brazil game, I mean, you're alive in this group. So, and, and Cameroon will feel a little bit better about the 1-0 in terms of goal difference, at least, too. So, Cameroon and Serbia is a massive game coming up on Monday. Then you have Switzerland-Brazil, certainly a winner, and that one's going to feel very good. They might even lock up a spot in the next round with a victory. 
So he got a lot to play for there. No question. And that group is still well and truly alive, despite two winning teams in that first first game. Because Switzerland will be all every, give everything they can handle, you know, Brazil can handle. But if you're Cameroon and Serbia, at this point, especially Serbia, you want Brazil to win. Now that they've beaten you, go out and win both of these other ones for sure. So we're going to see how that shakes down in Group G. Very intriguing start to that group in these matches. Richarlison was amazing. And again, Switzerland and Brazil's defense. Really, quite frankly, there were shades of reminiscent of this whole group having a good defense. So this group's going to be tricky. Because Yeah, I know Serbia, you know, Brazil kind of took it to them, but Serbia's defense is loaded too. I mean, Milinkovic-Savic's goal, of course, has, has uh, Sergei Milinkovic-Savic up front, but in net, Vanya Milinkovic-Savic is tough. They got good defenders, good midfielders. I mean, this, that group is wide open still, for especially for the second spot, if I'm being honest. It looks like Brazil is the class in a very interesting group. Speaking of very interesting groups, we know Group C with Mexico is very interesting. El Tree, you want to go to a watch party to watch El Tree with some of your best friends? around the Mexican national team? Well, they're taking on Argentina, as you know, on Saturday, 11 a.m. We've got two watch parties brought to you by ESPN LA and our friends at Estrella Jalisco. First one's in Norco at the Fieldhouse Restaurant and Bar. That's at 5555 Hammer Avenue. Uh, If you're close to Chino or that's closer to you than Norco, you can go over to Kelly's Sports Pub and Grill, 5402 Philadelphia. That's in Sweet K in Chino for those watch parties, all brought to you by ESPN LA and, again, our friends at Estadio Jalisco. Still to come, we'll take a look at Group H, the final group in day one of these opening matches in the the group stage. A couple of really big matches there, and one of them was really, really tremendous, no doubt about that. Plus, later on, we'll take a look at tomorrow's action. It is the game. We've all been talking about it for a while in our group, Group B, United States taking on England. Elsewhere, it'll be Wales against Iran. We'll break down a little bit more of the permutations for that one as well as taking a look at that group as well. I am Dave Denholm. This is Road to the Cup on ESPN LA. Road to the Cup on ESPN LA. Happy Thanksgiving to you and yours. I'm Dave Denholm. We hang out with you each and every Monday through Friday here on the road to the World Cup here in Qatar. And don't forget, we actually, uh, later on in the in the World Cup, towards the final, we'll have a, a special weekend show there for the final as well. But Monday through Friday, including today, Thanksgiving, I hope you're having a, a wonderful holiday. We are with you, breaking down all the action throughout the World Cup. And today, we'll take a look at Group G, or break apart, Group H. This is the final group, technically, of the opening games. So tomorrow, like I said, we're going to be previewing tomorrow's action. That's actually the second game. By my estimation, not, you know, certainly the final games of the group play are usually the big ones, but the second one starts to kind of separate everything, obviously. First games, you don't want to lose your World Cup in it. You want to get off to a good start. You want to be playing well. Second game is where people start to move, right? It's like kind of like horse racing. You start to kind of... Make your move towards the end of the second game here, whether it's good or bad or where the World Cup's going. And then down the stretch, of course, is the third match. But So we'll begin the second matches tomorrow in Groups A and B. We'll get to that in just a bit. But first, Group H finally kicked off their World Cup, and it was two interesting games, different games to say the least. The first one was South Korea and Uruguay. 
And a lot of people are looking at Uruguay as maybe a team that can make some noise in this tournament. And they didn't make any noise in this match. And when I say they didn't make any noise, I mean they didn't make any noise. And neither did South Korea, mind you. One total shot on goal. One. Nil-nil the final, as you might imagine. But that didn't mean it was devoid of interest or kind of some good play a lot of times or oftentimes, but these defenses just would not allow anything going forward to be really kind of consistently built up by the other side. Never. Ah, You know, occasional stretch of a minute or two with some good possession and work of the ball. But, wow, these defenses – I don't know what to make of this match. Is it the kind of thing, like I said, where the first game you don't want to lose? They're kind of feeling each other out, a little worried about don't want to blow it, you know, get a, take a, suffer a loss, at least get a point. Was it the kind of thing where, no, they were actually, you know, really bombing it going forward, but the defenses were just stout? I think there was a little bit of both at times. There were some good performances. I thought Facundo Pelestri was really good for Uruguay. And... You know, this is not uh, – I'm not just saying this. Our former uh, buddy over at LAFC, Kim Moon-Wan, had a very good game for South Korea from the right-back spot, I thought. I really did. He jumped out at me. And, you know, everybody thinks South Korea is, you know, son, young men, and that's it. Not true. But Uruguay certainly made sure that Sun didn't get going in this match. And when I talk about only one shot on goal, there were 17 shots total. Uruguay had 10 South Korea had seven, but they just, time and again, not really good enough chances to really threaten. And clearly, that was the case. Nil-nil the final. It wasn't a bad game, though, in terms of kind of the cat and mouse between Diego Alonso of Uruguay and in South Korea. Oh, the manager's name. Oh, escaping me right now. But it wasn't a bad game. They both really had some interesting moves off the bench. And I like I, I like what I saw out of both of these teams. Like where, yeah, the draw the draw fits. It, it was a it was not a a game that you know the neutral observer is going to remember for the rest of their life. But it was a good opening match for both sides in that sense. You know, just keep yourself kind of level. Give take your chances and take your chances when you can and if you can. But, oh, yeah, Paulo Bento, I beg your pardon, is the manager of South Korea. Why did I blank on Paulo? But I, I really liked what they uh, – this this match turned out to be like a chess match strategically, if you will. Just couldn't get that goal for either side. And, you know, again, both sides will probably breathe a sigh of relief over that, really, because it would have been harsh had anybody won it to the losing team. I don't think either team deserved to win. I don't think either team deserved to lose. It's, it's a cliche, but it's true. This is a fair result. But it also allows these two teams to kind of watch the second match in the group and then really get a feel for where they're at, right? And that was Portugal-Ghana. What a game this was. I I mean, there were better performances maybe from teams, like individual team performances. This was the best game so far. I don't think there's any doubt about that. And I actually hold the U.S.-Wales game right up there with a few other games. Saudi Arabia, Argentina, for obvious reasons. A couple other really good games. Spain's performance, the Canada-Belgium game was very interesting. But I really do. I hold the U.S. and uh, Wales game up there as well as this one. Portugal 3, Ghana 2. Cristiano Ronaldo 
got things going with a penalty. And then it was João Felix, and then uh, Rafael Leao got the third goal. That was three to one after Andre Ayew tapped it in to tie it at one. Then, like I said, Portugal got a couple of quick goals to make it 3-1. And then a goal late by Osman Bukhari really made it interesting. And, Dan, did you see that? Oh, my goodness. Diogo Costa, the goalkeeper for Portugal, seconds left. And Inaki Williams is hiding behind him on, on like, you know, where um, the keeper, Costa, has the ball. It's not a, it's not a goal kick. So, you know, Inyaki Williams is behind him after Williams, or I'm sorry, Costa had gathered possession on a foray forward by Ghana, and Williams is just kind of hiding, waiting for him to put the ball down. And you're thinking, boy, Portugal's teammates have to tell Costa that he's back there, right? There's seconds left in the game. He puts the ball down. Williams pounces on it and just loses his footing just past the penalty spot. Costa was shocked. Portugal was shocked. Should have been 3-3. And I'm not saying that necessarily a play like that means you deserve a point more than Portugal. I mean, Portugal deserved to win, but wow, if you're Diogo Costa, you better learn that lesson right then and there. Never again. And this guy was a great keeper from Porto. I mean, he's he's a, a very good player. But, man, he nearly cost his team two points. That would have been huge. And Ghana was just like a, literally a couple of blades of grass and a slip by Inyaki Williams away from maybe getting that draw. And frankly, they would have deserved it because they were going forward a lot at the end of that match. This was an electric game. Again, didn't always feel like it might turn out that way because uh, kind of of the way the game went, like the 3-1. Even though it got back to 1-1, but then Portugal exploited Ghana a couple of times quickly in the 78th and 80th, and you thought it was done after Ghana had tied it into the 73rd. Remember, all these goals were in the second half. Bam, 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 65th minute, 73rd, 78th, 80, 89. It was a wild show. And the first half was good, too. It was it was more of Portugal trying to establish dominance, and Ghana just would not really let them. They had a five-man back line. Kudus in the midfield was very good. I like Mohamed Kudus. He is a good player for Ghana. He was very, very active and, you know, Ajax player. I mean, he's a great player. Young, but he's oh, he is a good-looking midfielder, and he really was kind of a thorn in the side of Portugal. Even at times when they were dominant, he would kind of make something happen for Ghana out of nothing at times, and kept kept Portugal on their back foot a lot. Joao Felix, well, there's a reason Atletico Madrid paid so much for him. I mean, he has nothing but talent. He looked fantastic. His passing, his movements off the ball. Just everything looked good. Of course, he got the goal, but it was just more than that. He just really was a standout player in this match. And I hadn't seen a lot of that from him in his career. I mean, we see the talent, right? But, I mean, there's just seems like there's something missing at times with João Felix. And, again, not a bad player like where he struggles. Or he's got immense talent, and he's a good player. But you just would like to see that consistently taking over. And, boy, at times he did in this match. It was a fun Fun game. And I think, look, again, you don't want to lose. If you're Ghana, it hurts. But you only got outshot 11-9, in shots on goal. It was even game pretty much. Portugal deserved it because they finished well and they kind of put Ghana on their back heel a lot more and, and really made them pay at times. But this was a very nice, well-played, interesting game. And I, I think for Ghana, it doesn't. The loss hurts, but it doesn't kill you because of the draw in the other match, right? It's kind of the Mexico thing 
where Argentina lost, but Mexico and Poland drew, it helps. Now, again, different scenarios, don't get me wrong, but for Ghana, even though they're on nil, you know, zero points, minus one goal, they're not in, in too bad a shape here. Second matches are interesting, coming up on Monday in this group as well. South Korea, Ghana. Both teams will kind of feel like, okay, this is a match. We can go after each other. Same thing with Portugal, Uruguay. That'll be a little more tricky, if you will, because Uruguay's so good defensively. Portugal gets a little sloppy defensively at times, honestly. So maybe that's a game where Uruguay will feel like, okay, maybe we can get a, a result here, one nil, tight, you know, defense. Maybe you can get a two-one win. I gotta say, going back to the Uruguay, South Korea, they played well, but Uruguay is getting old, and we know this. We know it. Up front, they just don't have the guys they started. When you're talking about Luis Suarez up there in this match, you know, and he's got Nunez, of course, and Palestri. But for Suarez, and then you bring in a Cavani up front, they're not going to kill you with speed at the number nine spot, right? I mean, Nunez and Palestri can do the damage, and so can Suarez and Cavani. And, but and Valverde is such an electric player, too. No doubt about it. He's just tremendous. They've got all kinds of talent, but it's really their defense that is going to really take them a long way in this tournament, if indeed that's what happens. Can't wait to hopefully see Orlando City player, Fagundo Torres. Love to see him. He did not make it into this match. Probably won't play in this World Cup, if I'm being honest. Or at least it's unlikely, unless there's something going on like a third match where you don't need it, like or you're already like late in the third match and you've either already qualified or whatever. Um, yeah, I mean, I'd love to see him play. That midfielder for Orlando City, eight goals in MLS, 22 years old, really, really good-looking player. Again, don't know that Diego Alonso is going to get many minutes for him because he, you know, he brought in other attackers even on this game, certainly, and players to help out. But it could be interesting. But those Monday games are intriguing the way the schedule falls again, right? So for South Korea and Ghana, everything to play for. But Ghana certainly needs a result. South Korea would love a win. That would really go a long way. So, And then the Portugal-Uruguay game. Fascinating stuff there in Group H, the final of the opening matches in this World Cup. And what fun it was. No doubt, interesting game, interesting group. And really, the more you look at the groups of the World Cup, this might be the most balanced in terms of actual like talent. Because I thought South Korea coming in, if I'm being honest, I thought it was a weaker South Korea side. They held up defensively. I don't know how much, you know, how many goals are going to score in this tournament unless they get some individual magic at times. But maybe that was just because Uruguay's so tough that my you know, my judgment is a little clouded. I don't think this is one of the South Korea's best teams, but I think this is a very very even group. Coming up we'll talk about tomorrow's action. We get the second matches of groups going in groups A and B. And, of course, B is USA, England. That is the big one. We'll talk about that one coming up next. This is Road to the Cup. Dave Denholm, happy Thanksgiving from ESPN LA. Road to the Cup on ESPN LA. Happy Thanksgiving to you and yours. I am Dave Denholm with you every Monday through Friday during the Cup. And, of course, we'll have a special Sunday show coming up later at the final of the World Cup in Qatar. We begin Day twos in these groups, right? Game two in these groups coming up tomorrow. We'll get to that in a moment. Mexico and Argentina have their second match of the World Cup against each other coming up on Saturday in Group C. 11 a.m. kickoff, and you can attend a watch party. Have some fun with the folks from ESPN LA and our friends at Estrella Jalisco. 
at Fieldhouse Restaurant and Bar, 5555 Hammer Avenue in Norco, or if you're closer to Chino, over at Kelly's Sports Pub and Grill, 5402 Philadelphia, Sweet K. For that one, that's Mexico and Argentina. The watch party is there, brought to you by all the good folks here at ESPN LA and the good folks at Estrella Jalisco. That's, again, Mexico taking on Argentina in Group C. We know tomorrow's action. It begins in Group B, 2 a.m. Pacific. Whoa. Are we all dying from that yet? Oh, my goodness, these times. But I love it. It's Wales and Iran that is a massive match in Group B. We'll get to that in a moment. But we know the middle middle games are from Group A, Qatar and Senegal at 5 a.m. 8 a.m. has Netherlands and Ecuador, which I think now most people would point to being one of the more intriguing game twos in all this uh, next round. And uh, that's at 8 a.m., as I mentioned. And then, of course, at 11 a.m. Pacific, it is the game we're all waiting for in Group B. Estados Unidos, United States, taking on England in Group B. And who knows? That one may even uh, determine who wins Group B. Certainly, England's off to a flying start with a plus-four goal difference after their 6-2 win over Iran in Game 1 on Monday. Let's break this down. Here we go. Ready? Let's get right to it. United States, England. It is an intriguing matchup. It's one we've been thinking about since the draw. Not that it's the end-all, be-all in terms of the uh, the still tough games against Wales and Iran. And, of course, that bore out for USA-Wales in the first match. But this one really is intriguing. We've had history with England, recent history. Everybody remembers Robert Green spilling the Clint Dempsey shot and uh, United States getting a draw after giving up an early goal in that one to Steven Gerrard. So... There's history here, but more importantly, I think, for the United States, they have to find a way to play for 90 minutes the way they did for 45 against Wales. Now, would they dominate an England team like that? No, Wales wanted the United States to come forward. That's how they wanted to play against the U.S. Didn't work out for Wales in the first half. It was ugly, but England's not going to do that. So you're not going to get that kind of game. It might even be a little bit more the opposite. Not that the United States really has to back away from any team in the world, right? The United States can go play with anybody, quote-unquote, like go play the game. But you might see Greg Berhalter absorbing some pressure with this U.S. team to see what happens early in the match. You stay compact, you stay tight, frustrate England a little bit. And from that point on, whether it's you know at some point early midway through the first half or if they let it go the first you know you're gonna have to find ways to score goals and that's been my biggest problem with the U.S. If you've heard the show talking about it even since day one, my big thing with Greg Berhalter's side, and I still haven't quite figured out whether it's just the players or it's Berhalter's system or both, is we just don't create enough danger. There's talent there, right? Christian Pulisic's not going to be afraid to play England. And you know the reasons why. I mean, he plays in the Premier League. He's not going to be worried about England. I mean, let me give you an idea of the starting lineups from the first game. Now, of course, this can change a little bit, right? I'm going to list to you the clubs of where these guys play. England against Iran started a team that, and I'm going goalkeeper, left back to right back, defensive midfielder to the, you know, the wing or the, you know, forward midfielders, and then the the front three left to right, let's say. Here's England. Everton, Man United, Man United, Man City, Newcastle, West Ham, Chelsea, Borussia Dortmund, Man City, Tottenham, and Arsenal. Okay? Yeah. It's a good team. 
Here's the United States. Arsenal, Fulham, Fulham, Nashville, AC Milan, Leeds, Juventus, Valencia, Chelsea, Norwich, and Lille. It's a pretty good team. Uh, you know, Christian Pulisic is not going to be worried about playing against England and be overwhelmed. We, plenty of our players have been playing in Champions League and big. I mean, just, let's not worry about it. That's not the point, right? You're not going to be overwhelmed, nor sh- you shouldn't be. And if they are, then I kind of have to point the finger at Greg Berhalter at that point, the manager. But Gareth Southgate does have this England team flying. They can beat you in a lot of ways. Off the bench, they got a lot of talent, no question. They're flying high. They're feeling good about themselves against Iran with the six goals. But England can be beaten defensively. And I know everybody likes to pick on Harry Maguire. Harry Maguire is a fine player. He's a very good, much better than people think, right? It's kind of become just, it's kind of become almost hip and popular to bash Harry Maguire. Does he make mistakes? Yeah. Yes. Just like Walker Zimmerman, USA fans, it happens. Does Do John Stones and the other defenders for, uh, you know, for England, do they, Luke Shaw, do they make mistakes? Yes. Is Kieran Trippier unbeatable? No. Declan Rice, great player. Don't get me wrong. Fine player. These guys make mistakes. They can be beat. They're not infallible. They're not even one of the top two or three teams in my eyes yet. Now, maybe it turns out that way. You know, these tournaments develop, and it's a tough game. Make no mistake. I am fearful. I'm not fearful to go play anyone. Toe-to-toe, talent-to-talent. My biggest fear is that the U.S. will just not find the goals. And I know, yeah, no no kidding, Denholm. But it is something that's been bothering me about this team, not even just, you know, in the World Cup or big competitions. No, it's friendly. It's everything. Anytime you're playing a good team, it is tough for this United States team to really carve out good chances consistently. And England... Now, the United States certainly can have a good defensive game against England, but England will get chances. Doesn't mean they're going to capitalize automatically. They still got to put the ball in the back of the net. The United States can win this game. But as I look at these teams right now, that's my biggest fear. And to me, that's a bigger fear than any other spot or any other kind of factor for either side is the United States creating enough dangerous chances because you are not Well, look, you can have a game where you get two chances and score two goals. It's unlikely. And even even if that's the case, you know what I mean about being more dangerous. The United States had a lot of the ball in the first half against Wales, and they were dangerous. Now, didn't really create enough clear-cut chances to take it to that next level, but the one they did, boy, what a goal. And yet, as the game opened up, it was all Wales creating more of the danger. Now, again, they didn't destroy us or anything, nothing crazy. And I don't think England will either, but it's more about can the U.S. This game is about the United States, not England. We know what England is. They're good. They're going to have a good game. They're not going to get shut out in all likelihood. Right? It's tough to shut out England. I don't think we're going to be able to be Hungary, who has England's number. Now, maybe, hopefully, Greg Berhalter's learned from the most recent couple of games that Hungary beat England and handled them. 
I think I read an article about that. So, man, I'd have to dig that up maybe. But England can be beat. You're probably going to have to win this one 2-1, right? Something along those lines, 3-2 maybe. Crazy. That would be crazy. But I don't think this is a 1-0 USA win. So that's the biggest concern. It's not, and, and again, that comes down to don't panic about trying to create chances. You're not going to create 15 chances in the first two minutes. Don't rush. Don't panic. Just play your game. And the U.S. will be fine. Wales-Iran is an interesting game for the U.S., of course, right? Because Wales is on one point, even on goal difference like we are. Iran has you know, kind of put themselves behind the eight ball. It really comes down to if Iran even wants to play with what's going on in their home country and all the upheaval. And, you know, we talked with Stephen Betashore that day on uh, Monday, and he basically, you know, he basically was like so eye-opening in the sense that how can we even expect Iran really to go out there they're pulled in so many different directions. Emotionally, uh, with what's going on in their home country, you know, right now in Iran and, and all the pressure that's on them that way, that it's like football. Who cares? Even though it's the World Cup. And I feel bad for Iranian players because, of course, you're working your whole life for this. But it really doesn't matter. So who knows? It's, it's going to be important to see what kind of performance they even put out there. Again, not the most important thing by any means. But Wales still has to go out and try to give a good performance and beat Iran, right? You still have to go out and do it. So that'll be intriguing. The United States, of course, will know that as Iran and Wales are playing, what, nine hours earlier for kickoffs in terms of kickoff times. So you'll know seven hours before you even go out there what happened in that match. That'll be a good a little advantage, if you will. But you'd expect Wales to probably get a win there. It would take a Her- Herculean effort emotionally for Iran to come back with anything, with all their that's going through their, you know, th- on their minds and going on in their lives for the Iranian national team there. Group A: Qatar and Senegal. That is an intriguing one. Qatar, you know, the first match, everybody's like, "Oh, they don't belong." Certainly, weren't the worst team we saw in the opening games. Now, Qatar did not play well, but I expect them to bounce back a little bit in this game against Senegal. And this is where Senegal's got to be careful because Senegal should win this one. They're still the better team. They played well against the Netherlands, but they gave up that late second goal, and we'll see how much that matters in this match, right? How much does that make a difference? Netherlands, Ecuador, one of these teams could be punching a ticket in the second round with a victory. I like this matchup for both teams. I do think Ecuador, you know, everybody's kind of calling them the darlings. I think Ecuador really, I know Enter Valencia had the two goals. I think they're going to have a harder time, you know, coming through chances or getting chances against Netherlands. I think that first game is going to wake up Netherlands and, uh, and Louis van Gaal, and they're going to be ready. That's going to be a tricky matchup for Ecuador. If Ecuador can get a result in there, I will be I will be completely sold. I really like Ecuador, but I'm just not sure in terms of making a nice run in this tournament, a deep run. But if they can get a result in this game against the Netherlands, yeah, I think that will see, to kind of sell me on them because I think the Netherlands is one of my top three favorites. So no disrespect to Ecuador. I just think the Netherlands are that good, and it's going to be a tough one for Latri. Hey, stick around. Coming up, we are going to take a look. Now that opening games are done, some of the who's happy, who's not from the first round, the first opening matches in group stage play here of the World Cup in Qatar. I'm Dave Denholm. This is the Road to the Cup on ESPN LA.
Road to the Cup on ESPN LA. I'm Dave Denholm with you, hanging out here each and every Monday through Friday on the home of world football in Southern California, ESPN LA, as we march on to the final in December. We'll have a special Sunday show coming up for that, but a Monday through Friday every day. You can also check these shows out on podcast, anywhere you get your pods, or you can go to the ESPN LA app. Spread the word on social media, if you would. Give me a review on your podcast, please. I can take it. All right? If you hate the show, maybe don't don't give me a review. Just kind of tell your enemies to listen and annoy them. If you love the show, I'd love and appreciate a review because, look, this, this show is going to be blowing up throughout the World Cup, m- marching forward. And if you miss anything here on ESPN LA, you can listen to it in podcast form. Also, give me your reactions at Talk Soccer. If I'm asking questions or if we're talking about stuff, you want to chime in, that's the best way to do it. Hit me up on Twitter, at Talk Soccer. Now that the opening games are done for everybody, right? We've now seen everybody play one match after today's game, Switzerland beating Cameroon 1-0, Brazil over Serbia 2-0 in that group. Group G, Group H, South Korea and Uruguay, 0-0 draw, and then Portugal and Ghana with the maybe the match of the tournament so far, 3-2 the final of that one with... Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo being the first man to ever score in five World Cups. We had a PK to get things going in the 65th. So now that we've seen everybody in their openers, and now round two, game number two for each team starts tomorrow, especially with the USA-England in Group B. I want to ask who's happy and who's not, right? Who's happy and who's not in this World Cup? And we'll start with the happy. Happy Thanksgiving. Who's happy on this beautiful Thanksgiving. First of all, you'd have to say Spain is happy. 7-0. I don't care who your opponent is, and Costa Rica were dreadful, but you got to be happy. Because if you're Spain, you're one of the favorites, you're one of the best teams, you don't want to stub your toe against, frankly, an inferior opponent. Costa Rica qualified out of CONCACAF with the playoff, I think, and I'm not just saying this after the 7-0, I didn't like... Costa Rica in terms of this qualifying stage. They deserve to get there by scraping and clawing late in qualifying, and Kaylor Navas is one of the best goalkeepers in the world, but they're not very good. I think they're the worst team in the tournament. Now, that was before the tournament started. Now, I think we can all agree they had certainly the worst performance. A bigger part. Spain is happiest. I think fans of Messi and Ronaldo are happy, right? Both getting PK goals to kind of get things going. Now, Argentina ended up blowing that lead, so Argentina fans overall will not be. But fans of Messi and Ronaldo getting goals to start their campaigns, uh, they got to be happy. Other teams that are especially happy, Japan, France, and England. England, of course, thrashing Iran, the 6-2 game in the early day of the tournament, the second day of the tournament, Monday. France looking really good against Australia despite falling down 1-0. They get four unanswered, and Kylian Mbappe looks like Kylian Mbappe. He came ready to play in this tournament despite the fact that sometimes, well, many times, defending champions of this tournament have a difficult time of it. Not so much in Group or in group D in their opening match for France in that game. And Japan down a goal and didn't really go after Germany like people thought they might in the first, well, 50 minutes almost, 45 for sure. But And Germany were up 1-0 with a goal on the uh, penalty from Ilkay Gunawan, and it just looked like Germany was going to kind of get through. Japan are better than Germany. Japan, 
are a better team than Germany. And we saw that borne out in the second half when Japan decided to finally start playing. They're better than Germany, and it worked to perfection with a couple of later goals. So now they are riding high in Group E with Germany still having to play Spain, of course, and both Japan and Germany having to play Costa Rica, which they both have to feel like they're going to get results out of that. So Germany's backs are against the wall in a lot of ways. they got to get a result against Spain. So I think Japan are giddy. Spain, France, England, and then the fans of Messi and Ronaldo. Who's not so happy? Well, we know Costa Rica. And you know I love Luis Fernando Suarez, their manager. I do. They've had a great, you know, a great team over the years. Amazing run to nearly the semifinals. A couple of World Cups back, quarterfinal run. They had a golden generation. That golden generation is an olden generation. They're just they they've outgrown it and they don't they don't have the team to hang right now. Now, could they kind of put together better? Pro- yeah, they'll put the better, together better performances against Germany and Japan, no question, but not going to be enough. Australia's got to be unhappy just to get that early goal and then realize that you're still playing France and you cannot stop killing Mbappe. No two ways about it. Qatar had to be unhappy just because you're the host after 12 years of buildup, preparing for this, and Ecuador just kind of takes it to you. Now, make no mistake, this was not a Costa Rica-like performance. I mean, Qatar is still alive in Group A. You hear me? They really are. I mean, they're not they're not out of it yet. They can have good performances. The match against Senegal tomorrow, huge for them, of course, but I definitely expect to see a better Qatari side. And uh, USA fans are not happy because they felt like they had the three points and they also felt like Walker Zimmerman gave it, you know, gave away two of them because of the penalty. Look, I'm tired of hearing about it. Yes, do I want Walker Zimmerman giving up that penalty? Of course not. It was a bad play. He knows it. But we got to move on. Of course he should be starting this match tomorrow against England. He's our best defender. And don't tell me he isn't. Stop with all that. Look, like I said, uh, Carrasco, Yanni Carrasco, great defender from Atletico Madrid, sticks his arm out, gives the, uh, gives up a PK. Right? Is he a terrible player? Is La Liga awful? Should he be benched for Belgium? Turned out Alfonso Davies missed the PK, but it doesn't matter, right? Was that a terrible play? Yes. Should he be benched? No, he's Yanni Carrasco. He's a good player. It happens. Good players make mistakes. Move on, USA fans. Not moving on from the pain that it caused. I get that. Yeah, we lost two points out of it. that match. It hurt. But the United States played very well overall. And so did Walker Zimmerman overall. Made the big mistake. He deserved, you know, you deserve to be punished for that on the pitch, and you're going to be 99 times out of 100. Yes. But let's move on. So I know USA fans are not happy, but USA fans really should be right into it with this match tomorrow. Now, this match tomorrow tells us a lot, right? doesn't tell us everything we need to know necessarily, but certainly going to go a long way. I get that. So those are who is happy, who's not. Most importantly, happy Thanksgiving. I'm very thankful for you listening and all the support we receive here at ESPN LA from all you football fans. I love soccer. We know that. You love soccer. We appreciate you. And thank you so much for listening. Don't forget, you can podcast this show each and every day. We're on Monday through Fridays. Wherever you get your podcasts or go to the ESPN LA app, it's phenomenal. 
We appreciate that. Big day tomorrow. We'll be breaking it all down. USA, England, Wales, Iran, Qatar, Senegal, and the Netherlands and Ecuador. All of that and so much more coming up tomorrow. This is Road to the Cup. I am Dave Denholm, and you are listening to the home of world football in Southern California, ESPN LA.